hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. This is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From... Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, dog? And uh, Jamie Ivey is off this week. And so joining us from East Texas, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Nacogdoches in the crib. Okay, what I, up, have an update. I have an update. I actually don't live in Nacogdoches anymore. What? I know. This is the ultimate Gen Z, (laughs) young millennial lifestyle. Tell them where you're living. Is New York or San Francisco? I'm technically Uh -uh. homeless. Um, I am just traveling and couch hopping and staying with friends or renting Airbnbs, places that I want to live. Um, oh, you Gen Z for real, for real. I bet she's for real Gen yeah, Z. I, I rented an apartment in Paris for a month, so I'll be there in a couple weeks. Um, I'm currently in Fort Worth, uh, my brother, my brother's house. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm just... She's doing the tour. She's going to come to Florida. She's going to... I mean, she's like... For the next year, she's just going to float around the country. I know you're going to come to Nashville. I do want to come to Nashville, yep. actually. Girl, I you if you come to Nashville and we don't go get some good coffee, or some hot chicken, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll go do some of them That's things. That's what I need. I need a guide in every city that I go to. So I'm your guide. Yes. Let me be your yes, guide. We'll ignore I Tyler will give you a taste. Derek's it. <laughs> Tyler don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Tyler gonna take you to all the places that's white and they don't season their food. I'm gonna take you to the places that's gonna have so And that's what I want. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna have some white people there. But it's gonna have some, you know what I'm saying, some different people there too. You know what I mean? We're gonna exactly. we're gonna do some things. You feel me? Tyler will take you to places like an artisan pickle truck where everything is like disgusting. The the proprietors of said truck have like handlebar mustaches yes. and and yes. and and a, and a, and a and they they spend more time with the photos of the pickles for Instagram than they do on the actual pickles. And everyone's just plowing them down like they're the new hot thing. And it's just some weird not, hipster food on the outskirts of East Nashville. one thing I will Nashville. say about hipsters, though. Now, they may not season some of their food. They may dress weird. <laughs> but they make the best milkshakes known to <laughs> milkshakes. man. I would say this. I would trust no, the hipster. No, I'm talking about the different milkshakes. The, the milkshakes. Oh, 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 oh. The, yeah. that, that's, yeah. a, that's the thing. Yeah. Like the grown-up milkshakes. The, yeah. the, the grown-up milkshakes oh, yes, that, yes. That, they, that have, I'm saying... They're like, yo, and we took and we mixed this with the flowers that have been chewed up by God and spit out by angels. We have dashed the <laughs> center of, uh, of the drink with that. And then you have to eat a, a, a wood-fired orange peel slice first mm-hmm. before you can drink it. And it's going to taste like you just had 
heaven. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's how not they just, do it. It's just it's not just cocktails either. Like right. if you if you drink one of these hipster artisan sodas, it's like we source sugar cane <laughs> right. from a rare sugar cane valley in the in the in a, in an area of of the Himalayas. Yes. And, you know that that springs once a year, and these yeah, you know, and like they put a lot of time. You like you, no, you can this trust, tastes like a sprite though. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can trust hipsters on the liquids, but when it comes to the solid foods, <laughs> here's my experience in that, and I. I feel like I eat a lot. And that is uh, the older the person is running the food place, the better it is. They spent their whole life making the same sandwich Hmm. and the same five meals over and over again, and they've perfected it. Hmm. These hipsters, they're rolling into town on their weird little food trucks. They're, they're experimenting on the fly. They're mixing up that menu all the time and just winging it. Look, Trust dog, them don't with nobody, the drinks, dog, not the don't food. Don't nobody want no chitlin' egg rolls, Ugh. bro. I know that you like, we're going to take some soul food and mix it with Asian, but bro, we don't want no chitlin' egg rolls. We don't want no... uh. You know what I'm saying? We don't want no hot chicken fried rice. Let fried rice be fried rice Amen. and hot chicken Amen. be hot chicken. You feel me? We mix it too much. And that's yeah, why biblical. I'm going to trust Derek with the food she recommendations. But I will listen to Tyler for drink recommendations. But I got to have my different guides when I come to right. Nashville. Yeah. So she's floating, man. So no more Nagadoshis. Like, is Nagadoshis forever in the rearview mirror? Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have stuff there? Oh, I mean, well, yeah, have I have a storage unit, unit there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll okay. go back. Um, uh, a lot of my Nagadosh's friends, they have told me that they are praying that I come back. And I've told them that I am praying against that because I love <laughs> Nagadosh's, <laughs> but I am ready to be out of East Texas and I don't know where I want to go. So part of the reason I'm traveling is to figure out where do I want to live? Cause sampling. I, you're, sa- you're sampling, sampling America yeah. and Paris and Paris. Yeah. yeah. Um, so bad. that's my life right now. Very Gen Z, apparently. Well, let, let us know of all of the artisan little tucked away places. I will you tell you where to find the, the best artisan pickle in America. Good, good. <laughs> that, you know, if that was just, I feel like we're so inundated with just content, fire hoses from all sides on, you know, Netflix, the podcast. If there was just a show where just someone aimlessly wandered the country <laughs> looking for the best pickle, I got to be honest, we're at the point where I've watched everything. I'm in, I'm in, I'm watching this pickle show. Like, and I feel like, I feel like after Netflix release it, if it was just called the pickle hunter, right. And, and you just saw that on your Netflix screen and you just one night burn through eight episodes. And it's just a young, ambitious, Gen Zer roaming America's great cities, looking for the best pickle. I feel like everyone would be tweeting about it. It was just like, Jesse, I feel like the formula is getting very easy. That's here. just, that's just Guy Fieri. That's Guy Fieri's show. He roams America looking for donkey sauce. I mean, like... I would love it, to be true. part of Guy Fieri's... I mean, he's great. You know, I would love to Emily, just travel with him. What Emily, this is true. Guy Fieri opened his first chicken restaurant with all... The, and it's here, like literally a mile from my house. And there's lines around the block because people are like waiting for like the donkey sauce and stuff. Like apparently the whole thing of this chicken restaurant is like all the sauces, Mm. all the Guy Fieri sauces. And so it's like fried chicken, but then the special thing. And here's the weird thing is it's literally next door to a Chick-fil-A, next door to a Popeye's, next door to a PDQ, which is a fried chicken place. They're calling it the chicken strip because there's like all these chicken restaurants (laughs) next door to each other. It's crazy. That's fine. I like. Anyway. I like that. I like so, Guy that. Fieri, when you come to Florida, we'll go experience the Guy Fieri phenomenon. Okay, we have to now. Yeah. 
All right. Now, I know Jesse, he's your your hero. So next time you're hey, down. Big time. Big time. Like I said, when we were considering the third and possibly final, because it would potentially be fatal, um, uh, a test of psychological human endurance <laughs> after listening to doing the Nickelback Marathon, the Trapped in the Cage, mm-hmm. uh, Nicholas Cage Marathon, the next step for me seemed like it was a Lost in Flavor Town situation where it was eating nothing but Guy Fieri food for one month. The rule is it has to be a Guy Fieri branded food. Now, we do have a local restaurant here, yeah. a big one, actually. It was very controversial. People did not want his restaurant here. Why? They were very vocal, but they made it, and I've never been, but I know where it is, and I drive by there, and it seems to be very successful. What is but it? The rule would be, it's it's called Guy Fieri's something, like Guy Fieri's place, or it's it's a giant Guy Fieri branded restaurant. That's but my point is, for the tra- for the for the le- tr- lost in flavor town challenge, <laughs> I don't think yeah I could do this because it might sacrifice. I think the years would just be shaving off the end of my life. <laughs> would be to eat nothing but Guy Fieri Guy Fieri branded food for one month. Call it lost in flavor town, and it would either have to be the frozen food or the stuff from the restaurant, uh, and just see what would happen. <laughs> you know, raise money for a good cause. Though I'm pretty sure certain diabetes awareness. Know, we've are, yeah, we've pushed the limits with what the sponsors, uh, uh, what, what organizations, yeah. what kind of money they'll even accept. I don't even think they want the donations that would come in. <laughs> hey, I know we got, I know Tyler's coming off for relevant news, but can I, can we address one story that I, I don't think, and you guys can correct me and we can kill this if it's wrong. I think feel like we need to give a quick spit take. Everywhere was talking about the spit incident. <laughs> And I got a take that I've been thinking about here, and I can give context. Actually, you know what? Let's bring that up in relevant news. Uh, We have been covering it all. You know, the 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 spit heard around the world was covered on relevantmagazine.com. And and uh, And we got to be real careful with what we name in these things, guys. And then I like literally right before we start recording this, we record on Wednesday. I just posted on Relevance IG a bunch of how uh, the internet reacted to. Spitgate. I got a take. I got a take and, uh, here. All right. Well, let's let's, let's, let's bring Tyler because he's been he and Emily have been at the forefront of that news that breaking news all week long. So, all right. Well, stay tuned. Up next, Tyler joins us for relevant news. Still she laugh for you behind your back There's no water here, there's just a wide open road And it leads you up the garden path You're listening to The Wombats. The song is This Car Drives All By Itself. Assuming it's talking about Teslas. Well, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. In 2022, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. We aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work or not dealing well with stress. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. And right now, Relevant Podcast listeners have a special deal. Uh, you can sign up right now uh, for BetterHelp and get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash relevant. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash relevant to save 10% off your first month. 
Okay, it's time for Relevant Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee uh, telling us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Now, Tyler, right before you came on, yeah. uh, I know you have a planned item today, but Jesse has requested that you also bring up the Mike Todd spit take. Mm-hmm. So uh, if yeah. maybe we could okay. jump into that. <laughs> Jesse apparently has a hot take. Right. Tell the listeners what the gonna, uproar was about this week. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait in carefully here. To this, so I'm, I'm gonna. But Derek's I, I literally believe, rubbing his forehead. He's so stressed this. out right now. <laughs> no, I feel like be, I feel like my, right I, I feel like my take is gonna bring a lot of healing to America. So <laughs> okay. let me preface okay. it by that. That's, that's a big that's statement. Good. All right, I would imagine. I stand by it. I would imagine most people, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, I would imagine that you probably know at least a little bit of what we're talking about here. But just in case, I'll, I'll give a quick breakdown of what happened this week in Mike Todd's church. Mike Todd is, of course, the pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it's a very big church. He's a very successful pastor, a successful author. He's been on, we, we've, we've, he's written for Relevant. He's, I believe he's been on this podcast before. Um, but he he went viral uh, several for several reasons, uh, none of which are are super desirable. For a sermon illustration he did, in which he was describing how God's vision for your life can get a little nasty, he said. And to demonstrate this, he had a congregant who I believe was his brother. I read uh, the congregant that he yes. brought on stage, and he he spit into his hands and he rubbed the spit over this man's face that was and it, when i say spit it was like it was a it's grosser i think even than it sounds like it was a lot of spit and this created this this clip went very very viral and people had a lot of different opinions about it uh you can hear the uh, you can, if you watch the clip you can hear the crowd really they, there's a, there's a people are pretty shocked by what happened it's a shocking thing to witness uh to the point where mike todd then addressed it he released a video saying that he he apologized he said the spit hit the fan and he crossed a line he he, he said it was a distraction from the message he was trying. a lot of people are pointing out on instagram that he did not apologize he addressed it he he, 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 he stopped short of saying he was sorry but he called it a distraction and he did say that he felt like he crossed a line uh so i would say he at least expressed some regret or or a or noted that he probably should not have done it so that was the mike todd case that happened over the weekend yeah all right so so I, I was following this not probably as intimately as uh, as you guys. I did see the coverage, which seemed thorough and fair minded. And <laughs> but I was following a lot of this on on Twitter yeah. and just watching the discourse. That's, and, that's and what we, it. dude. Some of the the internet had so much fun with this. It was so well, well, and, that, and, and, and you know we're shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but okay. Here here's my thing. I was watching it and I saw more. And I I use the word here outrage very. Um, uh, like a very qualified outrage because outrage these days people get outraged over everything and they feign outrage and it's fashionable to find a new thing to be collectively outraged about and then target a single individual who's really painted into a corner with that outrage so yeah 
I watched the video and the sermon illustration that he does where he's hawking these loogies in his hand, smearing them over his brother's face. It's gross. Okay. We all agree with that. But here's the thing. Like this, he was trending on Twitter. Like he didn't have, I didn't see one person defending this dude. Right. And I'm not saying it was in, it was the, the most wise decision or that it was an effective, ser- I'm not even saying it was an effective sermon illustration, but I, I was shocked at the level of just collective malice. Yeah, that was, and some of it was good humored, right? Like some of it was funny. The like, ones we posted were funny. Of, like they yeah, were exactly. Mean. But that, you know yeah, what? That's the thing. When we were posting the little collage of them on Instagram this week, uh, there was a couple really funny ones that we found, and we're like, "Hey, let's just post a whole bunch of them." And Tyler and Emily went to go grab more, and they were like man, they're all mean. They're all like angry. You know what I mean? It's like the internet actually got really like to make your point. The internet got really upset about this. And and to Tyler's point, look, Mike Todd's been on this podcast. He's been on in the magazine. It's like, it's okay to have like a fun, you know, to poke fun at someone kind of on the inside. But when all of a sudden it becomes this like knives out, we have pastors right now that are literally preaching who've incited sedition. Okay. Like, (laughs) like a literal federal crimes. We have pastors that get away regularly with like embezzlement, with toxic behavior, with, you know, uh, uh, you know, harassing women with, yeah, with, you know, infidelity, with blatant distortions of the gospel to prop up, uh, you know, some sort of political take or racial animosity or white supremacy. And they get a pass every day. And the one thing that sends all of collective, you know, uh, Christian Twitter and adjacent Christian Twitter, not just into, okay, let's have some fun with this pastor who did a, a goofy sermon illustration that, you know, maybe was a little too far to hey we're gonna we're just gonna all kind of go at this one dude for one kind of misguided sermon illustration he didn't do anything morally wrong like he didn't do anything ethically wrong he was just making a joke my my thing i'm i'm with you a thousand percent my thing is like after we were covering this is like can we have more of these scandals in the church please like let's let you know what i mean because like this is not a scandal (laughs) you know it was gross it's nothing it got the internet i won't say it's nothing yeah, but I mean, it's like gross. He addressed it and whatever. We can go on with our lives. I would prefer that this is the worst kind of scandal that hits the internet from the church. Great. More of it, please. Yeah, I, you know what I mean? My okay. perspective on the whole thing was, was, was Jesse, I think you nailed it right on the head for me. Cause I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, yo, I, right, we know Mike Todd, when it comes to illustrations, bro is on a bazillion. Yeah. Yeah. He swung and missed and missed badly. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, he blew it. But I saw people calling the man demonic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw people calling him like a charlatan and all these other Uh things. I'm like, so y'all are telling me this dumb, stupid illustration. It was dumb for him to do this. Like, and this, I think, might come from you just not running your illustrations by some just like regular people <laughs> to be like, yo, what you think about this? It's cool. He probably go fix that now. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, yeah. yo, the man, you calling him demonic? Yeah. An abuser? Like, yeah. we're going to take all the stuff that he's done for his community and we're going to boil it down to this one moment, which it really, for me, it solidified one of the main reasons why like I honestly don't care about being a celebrity in no shape, form, or fashion. Like sure. because 
Sure. I, I just look at all my friends like Lecrae. Lecrae served white evangelicals for 15 years straight. He was the guy that y'all used and said, yo, he is, you know, and it's not white evangelicals. This is just church people in general. I'm not making this even a racial thing, but I'm like just Christians in general. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I feel like worse than just regular humans. We build people up to tear them down. Tear them down. Like it's terrible. Like, it is awful. Like I'm seeing because right now I think, and I might be just a little passionate right now because I just got a. Like I just saw. Um, I don't know if y'all were going to cover this, but Brady, uh, fanatic from Cross Movement, just mm-hmm. said that he's no longer a Christian, mm-hmm. and he's like, I got some things I got to figure out, right? And he's not. It's it's like him and a bunch of people that I know that are like, hey, I'm no longer a Christian, and they're like everybody's like throwing stones at these guys and saying how evil they were and off and we knew you weren't nothing and blah, 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 blah. And just throwing stones like, you. oh, you you never were a believer. I never liked you. Mm-hmm. You never were a Christian. You never were this. You never were that. And it's like you're seeing all of that. And I'm saying like, yo, how in the world is that effective at all in showing God's love mm-hmm. in any way? If one person saying, hey, I'm either made a mistake or I have questions will all of a sudden get the collective vitriol of the whole church. But then you got these same guys that incite, you know, all kind of other stuff. And we don't have collect. It's like, we're fighting the wrong battle. Sometimes I really, I'm like, yo, we're fighting the wrong battles. I'm sorry. I got to get off. I got, I'm off my soapbox, but no, that right, you know, just really bothers yeah, me. A little bit, you know? It's a legit, I mean, look, It's like, yeah, Jesus said, let's not stone the woman caught in adultery. Let's instead stone the pastor. And I'm not obviously condoning stoning adultery, but I'm just giving a biblical illustration. Like you're saying to get stoned. That's what you're saying. What I'm saying is like, Jesus said, like, look, let's extend grace, even in people caught in like extreme circumstances. This wasn't an extreme circumstance. Like it just wasn't like all of us went to youth group when I went to youth camp. Something like this was before the pastor even took the stage. Someone got spit on as part of a funny <laughs> illustration. Like youth youth camp when I was growing up was like watching the Tom Green show or like a jackass stunt. Ninety percent of the time, ninety percent of my youth pastor's job was trying to find a more outrageous way yep. to illustrate a very basic biblical point. I've yep. seen people consume like a vat of toothpaste that pretty much everyone in the youth group had spit into just at, just for an icebreaker. Like youth group <laughs> jokes like this <laughs> would happen all the time. <laughs> like, and I'm wow. not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, can we let's keep this in perspective here? <laughs> like, yeah. know, this, this is not like a huge thing. It's one thing to have a little fun with it because that's the in- intent of a sil- an illustration like this is to goof with it a little. That's right. fine, but let's not try to you know cancel someone for just you know goofing off in in a church service exactly. and no one was harmed. You know exactly. Yeah, you're right that that wasn't going to be my point, but that, that's a good comment. That's that's probably the best, the most reasonable thing I've seen anybody say about it. So thanks, I, guys. I, for I just keep coming back to more of these scandals and less of the other kind. Uh-huh. Thank you very much, uh-huh. Mike yeah. Todd, for giving well, us something else to <laughs> to focus on. Anyway. Yeah. And, and, and people and like, hey, we can counterbalance this. I'm not saying you have to go and, you know, make some big donation to a church. But, hey, show a little love. If you see him doing something good. You know, why not, why not respond with the same degree of enthusiasm for when he does one thing that, you know, rubs you the wrong way? Well, look like, at the energy on his apology. Like, I'm like, he came out 24 hours 
and mm-hmm. put together and like yeah people can nitpick the man's apology say well he didn't say the words I apologize but I mean come on now we know that it it if you use context clues, the man has a level of remorse. Like no one, do you want people picking apart your apology? You know what I'm saying? Like the, like it's this this idea that there's always some sort of conspiracy that may, maybe it's just somebody did something stupid and they came out and said, my bad. Like maybe there's not a conspiracy. Maybe he didn't say, well, guess what I'm going to say? All this word salad or some stuff like this, but I'm not going to apologize because I want I want to like that's dumb like yo why in the world are we just the man spat in his hand and did some dumb stuff I ain't gonna lie he's spitting yo anybody spitting their hand try to put it on my face I'm gonna slap slide out their mouth but I'm just saying he apologized <laughs> let the man live yeah let's just move on there's too many real things happening in the world yeah. you know yeah. to have to deal with this too Tyler do you have anything can you pull us out of this what's the what do you can't. actually bring today and can you do it briefly <laughs> yeah. so this is this is not controversial but I am interested in you guys you guys thoughts on this and we are and I, I'm I'm hesitant to do this because I don't really understand this world very well at all but maybe you guys can shine a little light for me We're, we are going to be talking about crypto a little bit about cryptocurrency oh, gosh. so put your crypto hat oh, on yes uh, because this is going to get this is going to get weird too um, so to start to, for this story to really make sense, we have to start by talking about Dune. Uh, before the Denny Villeneuve movie came out earlier this year, decades ago, there's a filmmaker in France by the name of Alejandro Jodorowsky, and he had put together a pitch book for his idea for an adaptation of the novel of the Dune book. He had he had recruited this artist to draw all these you know these ideas of what it would look like, and he sent it to Frank Herbert, the authors of Dune Estate, and said, "I want to make this. Will you let me make this?" And they took a look at it, and they're like, "Nah, this isn't quite what we're going for." You know, it felt. <laughs> For whatever reason, it felt through. it didn't happen. But a few of these books still exist out there. And the Dune heads are very passionate about these. It's like it became a big collector's item. There's only a few of them available. So they're very expensive. And if you're a real Dune fan, it's kind of like the Holy Grail. Like, I got to get my hands on a copy of that. So one of these ended mm. up going up for auction last year. And it was expected to fetch around $30,000 to $40,000 in this auction. But... A group of crypto bros calling themselves the Spice Dow uh, pooled their crypto resources together and they bought it for $3 million in once you transfer that crypto over to US dollars, the bidding was not at $3 million. Nobody was telling them they had to spend that much on it. They just wanted to spend a lot of money. They pooled their resources and they came up with $3 million under the belief that this would then transfer them the copyright to make the Dune movie in this pitch book for their own, you know, to, to basically freelance it and then create their own Dune cinematic universe independent of the Warner Bros. movie that came out earlier this year. They obviously don't really understand how copyright law works. Just because you bought a book doesn't mean that the rights to that book come along with it. Now they're tr- sort of trying to backtrack and say, well, we're going to make a movie inspired by this Dune book but it'll have to skirt the copyright for the actual Dune movie that came out earlier this year. And I think this gets into sort of a lot of the confusion that I mentioned earlier about people don't really understand what crypto is and what NFTs are and how you can't just own, just because you own this book doesn't mean you actually own the rights. Like the real world still exists for the time being. And now these guys are trying to backtrack and create their own 
Dune Light, maybe, or like Diet Dune movie that would be inspired by this, but wouldn't actually be Dune. And it's not clear why you would even need the book <laughs> to to create this. See, the mistake sort of the mistake they made were to the mistake that they made was to actually say that's what they're doing mm. because now you just admitted to creating a derivative work. It's uh-huh, a derivative, yeah. so you're still going to have to could have to pay them in some sort of way because you're making a derivative of their work. Right, like, yeah, this is. Um, I feel so, bad for them. I, I kind of so don't. Thought, they they thought just like got a lawyer. They literally thought buying a book gave them the creative just license a to yeah, make a rare book. That's crazy. It, th- this, this really, and I know this is probably. I know the people listening and they might find this offensive, but I don't really care. But this really. It like underscores a lot of the sort of uh, sus- no, not just suspicions, just flat out assumptions I've had. Uh, but not everyone, but a lot of people involved in like cryptocurrency and NFT sort of uh, you know kind of get rich uh, uh, schemes. Like people who don't really kind of understand the the kind of founding principles of those movements, right? Like cryptocurrency was was in, not invented to be some sort of trading, you know, Ponzi uh, assets, to, to, you know, based on completely unstable markets of. You know, that, that, that can be hyperinflated based on a meme, right? right. Like <laughs> NFTs, if you ever explain someone NFT, you might as well tell them right now, I could tell you the technology or I could just tell you it's an overinflated marketplace for kind of ugly cartoons, like most of it right now. But like most of the people that are trying to undercut the founding ideas behind what a non fungible token is or a cryptocurrency that protects people's privacy and is kind of, uh, can subvert kind of, uh, different type of uh, international regulation a lot of those people are no longer involved in the conversation because it's just an, it's just been sort of over flooded with people who are just trying to figure out a way to Cash get grab. rich yeah. Yeah. off of this yeah. kind of trend and that seems like it's ruining the whole thing Dude, yeah. I, I, I saw I saw a kind of deep cut uh, analysis of the NFT bubble that's happening and, and, and listen people are getting rich on NFTs I'm not saying that this is all smoke and mirrors people are flipping NFTs and making a lot of money but it is a bubble right now and somebody likened it to the Beanie Baby bubble of the 80s and that is an exact parallel of yeah. there there were people making money mm-hmm. it was a supply and demand thing it was you know da 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 and then like there's a documentary right now about the rise and fall of the Beanie Baby thing. And they're like predicting the NFT thing will parallel it and all this stuff. And they, they're calling it virtual Beanie Babies now. <laughs> it's like, so. Oh yeah. My, my homeboy, my homeboy is, is making millions off of NFTs right now. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he is getting paid, but the question, the question is in five years, will it still be always ever growing or will there be a downside mm-hmm. to this curve? Well, you know? when I told him, I said, I said, man, Think of it as you just got a huge advance for the future. So don't adjust your lifestyle to think that this is the beginning. I mean, I'm like, just as fast as something goes up, yeah, it can come, come down, down just yeah. that fast. And he was like, yo, no, nah. he's like, I'm fully aware that this is a moment. Right. And I'll, I've been blessed to be kind of at the forefront of the moment. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know how long it's going to ride. All I'm going to do is just get as much out of it as I can get out and of it. And just like I Beanie Babies, people, it's the people who mm-hmm. come at the peak and they come in, that hits the masses the yep. and then they all come in and then the crash. But the people who were early, they make their money and they get out, yep. you know, and yep. 
That's gonna happen. Here's what I'm interested in, Emily. I'm interested in your opinion because this is your, this is you, this is your generation. I don't want this to be a part of our generation. I, I know it's real. I just have not heard a convincing argument that cryptocurrency is not fake. In my mind, it just is not. It's just fake money, like monopoly money. Um, And so the fact that you can buy things with it, it just is so ridiculous. I do think it's funny that these guys who quote unquote understand cryptocurrency don't understand basic copyright laws. That's very funny to me. Um, Because this is like, you can tell me that this fake internet money is real, but you don't understand that just simply buying a book does not buy. Like, how do you, I I don't understand. It just is, it's so good. It's so weird to me. And I think what you're saying is so true. I am aware that this is definitely a moment. It might last for a couple of years. We are not going to base our entire society around cryptocurrency. And so I'm like, why are we investing in this whatsoever? It's going to go away. I don't, it's just, I the, think it's The done. one thing about NFTs that may not go away is it, how it can merge with the meta metaverse stuff. You yeah. Know, like that the also seems world. fake to me. So that's oh, guys, it's, it's V bucks. <laughs> Yeah, if yeah, you've that's ever played it is. Fortnite. Is V bucks? Crypto is V bucks. Right. You NFTs. use real money to buy fake money to right. buy stuff inside of the Fortnite verse. Right. That's what. So, in my mind, if you want to know what the metaverse is, right. just play Fortnite. Fortnite. That's right. You'll understand it all. I like. I started playing Fortnite with my kids, and the metaverse made all the sense in the yep. world. It's Absolutely. The digital copy of who you are. Right. So these kids, like, they judge you. If you have a like, a, trust me, I have obviously my kids have skins because I pay for them, and I go in there and I don't have any skins. And eleven-year-olds are talking to me like I am the eleven-year-old, and yep. they're the ones that are spending their father's money. I'm like, yep. yo, I, I got pressure so bad I had to go buy some skins. <laughs> so because my, my, my literally bullied. my son came downstairs and said, "Hey, Dad, you should get some skins, Dad." You're embarrassing me. So I had to go get that's what crypto is. And it's going to be. I think in fees and all that stuff too, right? Yeah. It'll be the things that you're buying in the digital universe and stuff. And there will be an applica- a practical application of that in the future. But this little bubble of like just buying monkey avatars for $4 million, like uh, I'd be a little that, that, that wary have, of no, jumping that, into that those waters. You- yeah, because the NFT itself gives you actually no usable right. <laughs> like, right. like no, you don't dude. actually own a copyright. You own you own a single version of it that it's you know the 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 artist still owns you know yeah. the, 10%. all of it. People take screenshots of it and just post it on Twitter because it's like what are you going to do? You can't <laughs> yeah. you can't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like the, the scandal that everyone that is you know kind of everyone's making fun of it. It's so against like you, you know the, these are guys who were trying to thought they found a loophole in intellectual property in IP like and we're trying to take someone else's intellectual property uh, claim that property and then commoditize it for their own financial benefit that is against the very prince that is the that kind of thinking was the reason Bitcoin you know Bitcoin was even invented in the first place because it was sort of this egalitarian anti-capitalist sort of uh, side economy that was based on anonymity not claiming other people IP like it's just so backwards from the ideas that this whole thing was founded on it's like okay I think we've lost the plot a little with crypto it might be time for this to cool off a little well the NFT thing is interesting too and and how it relates to this news story is like uh, one evolution I'm seeing from a lot of entrepreneurs is 
there's an NFT component to tangible real world access and experiences. So like Gary V is launching a restaurant and he's selling NFTs at different levels and you can gain access to different levels of that restaurant in the real in the real world if you own the NFTs. It's like a membership card, right? And so like I think that evolution will be interesting. That's what these guys were trying to jumpstart. Like I'm gonna buy the digital rights to this book and I'm gonna make a real world movie out of owning that thing. You know what I mean? I think if NFTs can figure out a tangible benefit other than just I have a monkey avatar on Twitter, like I think then there's going to it'll have some more mass adoption, you know, but it'll just be interesting mm. to watch. And just y'all like anything else, like there's no get rich quick scheme that is usually long lasting. So just be if careful. It sounds as you- too good to be true. It's too good <laughs> to be true because I know some people I, I got a homie right now. I'm telling you, he's making millions off of NFTs, but I know some other people that are making pennies yeah. <laughs> they're spending a lot of money they may not even be making anything like it's it's not for everybody and more than likely this this is me and my homeboy talk about this with stocks when your barber starts talking about the stock or the <laughs> nft you're too late it's over right. by yeah. the time it makes it to the barber shop you're the dummy if you jump in right. like uh-huh. it's too yeah. late Uh Okay, thanks, Tyler. Uh, Check out everything we're covering over at relevantmagazine.com. Make it part of your daily web surfing and follow us on all the socials for the latest. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Brooke Ligertwood joins us. Don't you know? listening to URL. The song is Honey. Well, today's show is also brought to you by UHSM. Healthcare costs have been growing year after year and can lead to a lot of confusion. Thankfully, UHSM offers great and affordable health for everyone. Unite HealthShare Ministries, or UHSM, is a Christian health sharing ministry that puts your health before anything else. Now, health sharing isn't insurance. The programs at UHSM are member-based fellowships where faithful people can take charge of their own health care. UHSM offers different programs to meet any and all of your needs, from telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life. UHSM has something for everyone. For more info, head over to UHSM.org or contact a representative at 800-900-8476. Again, you can find out more about UHSM at UHSM.org or talk to a rep at 800-900-8476. Where our guest today is Brooke Ligertwood. You know her. She's been a worship leader with Hillsong Worship for over a decade. She's worked with countless Christian artists. Her new single is called A Thousand Hallelujahs and it just came out. She's releasing her solo album, Seven, in just a couple of weeks. We sat down with Brooke uh, to discuss what has inspired her within the last year and what she sees for the future of the church. You know, little thing like that. Here's our conversation with Brooke Ligerwood. Your new 
new album coming out is called Seven because it's your seventh album, which is exciting. Uh, I'd love to know where did the inspiration for this album come from? So this album uh, was a great surprise to me. I never thought or desired to ever release a project of worship songs under my own name um, and I joke with my team like half jokingly like half serious that this is the alpha and the omega like this will probably be the last one I don't this is not like the beginning of a trajectory for me this is a step of obedience uh, I'm still very much you know planted in Hillsong Church and, and part of Hillsong Worship and love that I love that and uh, I think it's so important that you know that I'm always part of something that's bigger than me and not about me and a team. I love being part of a team and those beautiful things. Um, so that continues. Um, and then obviously my mainstream career with Brooke Fraser, that is what it is. Uh, so it was a great surprise to me when last year um, the the Lord kind of brought all of these songs into my life in a very short period of time. And as, I, as, as they kept kind of coming and being completed, I – very quickly, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm a little slow, so maybe not that quickly. But after a few weeks, I was like, Lord, what are you doing? Because they, I've been making albums long enough to know when you have a group of 10 songs or when you have a group of 10 songs that belong together and that are a collective um, statement. Um, and so uh, I definitely was not trying to write an album, um, and but this is this is what happened. And so uh, so yeah, so we recorded it live um, very recently, uh, just November um, 2021, and uh, it um, has been just a, a a joy and a sacred, beautiful thing. And I hope that it is helpful to people um, this year. And it's yeah, it's coming out next month. You mentioned that you started writing these songs, but you said you didn't intend to write them. Uh, it was more of an act of obedience. And I would think a majority of artists sit down intentionally to create an album, but it seems like it was backwards for you. So I'm curious, what does songwriting look like for you? Uh, well, I guess it's, it's different depending on which hat I'm wearing. And I suppose why, why the album 7 was a surprise was because I wasn't wearing any hat. And then usually, you know, if I'm writing... I, I will know pretty quickly, you know, this this feels like uh, a Hillsong worship song or this feels like a, uh, you know, whatever. If, if, if I'm, you know, writing with a friend, um, this might feel like something that they're going to record. But because I have never recorded a, a worship album under my own name and, like I said, probably never will again, it didn't even occur to me that this would these would be songs um, I should put out. And I think it was... Actually, the song Nineveh that I talked about before, which was the first song that made me go, huh? Because I wrote it with um, my friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation, and it was very clearly not a Hillsong worship song and not an Elevation song. So I was kind of like, what? What is? what do we do with this? So uh, when I sit down to write, I'm very much open to whatever happens. I'm not necessarily a fast writer. I'm happy to take two or three years on a song two or three months on a song. Um, so I'm just kind of, yeah, pretty pretty open. And then usually the Lord kind of makes obvious this is where this is supposed to go. And sometimes that's nowhere. It's like this is just a song that's supposed to be here in this bedroom. That will be it. Yeah. 
You mentioned that you worked with Stephen Furtick, and I know you worked with so many others. What was it like to collaborate with a group of people you don't get to work with very often? Yeah. Um, well, I think that's why I set out to to write in May just with a bunch of my friends that I hadn't seen in, for the entirety of the pandemic and people that, so it was really kind of just an excuse to hang out with my friends, to be honest. Um, it's like, let's, hey, let's write, you know, but actually it's like, I, I love it because um, it's often just like, you know, sitting in rooms with cups of tea or coffee and some snacks and then really like digging into meaty conversation uh which which I love I love a good conversation I love uh, and I love speaking with um with thinkers with people who um people who love to you know toss and turn around ideas um and so so yeah so I really when I when I um had that set aside that time with those particular friends um it was just so fun so refreshing um I love Stephen Furtick I love the way that he thinks he's so brilliant with concepts um and I just uh, I, I just really enjoy him as a person love speaking with him and so um we had written previously but with two other people um so for it just just to be him and I and for us to go really kind of molecular um on on things was was so so fun and I and I also just adore the songs that came out of that time too yeah Something we talk about a lot is what the next generation of the church will be like, and you get a really unique view of literally seeing the next generation worship. So I'd love to know, you know, what do you think of the next generation and how do you see them shaping the church? The few things that I feel like I I do suspect are true, I feel more strongly than ever are probably true and indeed true. Um, and I, I just know that I, I take great comfort in the fact that the church is not ours. Um, and no matter how much us humans um, put in what would appear to be a Herculean effort to screw it up, <laughs> it's actually not ours. It's Jesus's church. And so he builds it. And I think we can see throughout history, um, I, I think one of, I, I don't know if it's Eugene Peterson or somebody who, who refers to uh to the sore-toothed history of Israel, the sore-toothed, and I think we can apply that to, you know, the the post-Acts church as well, the sore-toothed. <laughs> we have a sore-toothed history. Uh, it's up and down. We, um, we obey and place glory in the right place and, uh, and do the right thing, and then we don't, and then we mess it up, and then it all appears to go to poop. And then we repent and we remember and we return. Um, and then the Lord, uh, you know, rebuilds and restores and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so I think we, we find ourselves, you know, I think perhaps maybe in the generation alive today, most people haven't experienced what we're experiencing now. So it feels, a lot of it feels new, a lot of the tension, a lot of the, um, 
cacophony, uh, a lot of the dysfunction um, feels new. But actually, if we, we look at history, we know that it's not. And uh, and I also take great, great comfort in the fact, actually, that um, that that God is um, merciful and He's also holy. So He'll He'll let He'll let us carry on for a bit, but uh, but not forever before He kind of comes and, and and cleans house a little. So I think there's some cleaning house happening, and um, and I welcome it. Uh, but I also pray that I can be uh, on the right side of it because I'm on the right side of Him, hopefully, and also take it as a cue to. Lord, where in my own life are there things that you are just not stoked about and need to deal with? And uh, let me not be the last to know. Let me be the first to hear and respond to you and and bring things into alignment that are out a little bit. And um, yeah, just let it, letting the Lord be the Lord. That was Brooke Lagerwood. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. You're listening to Cautious Clay. The song is Rapture in Blue. Love that he's releasing new stuff. Uh, if you didn't see our feature with Cautious Clay, uh, I think it was two issues ago, you can go over to relevantmagazine.com and search for it. It's great. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we got talking about the gateway to hell, the big fire pit, <laughs> the enormous fire pit in Turkey. I can't say it. There it is. Uh, And it got us thinking about natural phenomenon that, you know, this world is full of some crazy stuff. We have a creative God. And it got us thinking about natural phenomenon. So we asked you, uh, what's your favorite obscure or weird natural phenomenon that everyone should know about? You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Send us some links, some really good ones. Here's some of our favorites. Okay, so this one isn't necessarily a natural phenomenon, but I have a personal story about this. Cameron, do you remember the center of the universe in downtown Tulsa? (laughs) Of course I do. It was a perfect place to go after a date. Because it was like downtown Tulsa is totally dead at night and like nobody yep. was there and you could go and like hang out and talk. And it's like a weird, this weird echo chamber situation. It's just a really weird spot. It's an open air echo chamber. It's basically how they have sort of can visually it doesn't look like anything very significant. But when you stand in the middle of this concrete, um, it creates this, you know, I'll, here's how Andrew describes it. When you're standing there, it sounds like an audio engineer has turned up a plate reverb for uh, for your voice. Like it, basically like you kind of hear this, it, it, you feel like you're in an enclosed tight kind of chamber, mm-hmm. even though you're standing outside. It's very, very interesting place. Right. 
Yeah, it's and I think anyone who's gone, who's uh, spent any time in Tulsa, or to Cameron's point, has gone on a date in Tulsa, or, got, or gone rollerblading uh, through the empty streets and on a Saturday in in the nineties, you know, go rollerblading around downtown Tulsa <laughs> and stop at the center of the universe. You know, wouldn't you love it if 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 a random spot in Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually was the center of the earth? <laughs> one day, God's like, you know what? The crazy thing is that was dead center the whole thing. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, Chris Morphew says there's a pink lake on a tiny island off the coast of western australia apparently you can drink the water because back in the 1800s the island was used as a base of operations by pirate john black jack anderson so there's a pink lake somewhere that's pretty cool have you ever flown into salt lake city and seen salt lake it's no i have pink like, oh, like, wow. Literally, it's this craziest thing. It's like, and I, and I didn't know what it was when we were landing and somebody said that's actual Salt Lake. And it's like, you know, a natural phenomenon where everything, yeah, it turned, it turned pink. You can't drink it. That's what it's Salt Lake, but you know, mm. it's crazy looking. That's, oh, wow. I'm looking now. It's crazy. Uh, I want to talk about Anna's suggestion yes, because please, please do. I got some, I got some questions here. So she said, I still wonder about those metal mon- metal monoliths in the desert, which if, if I think she's talking about, there's like these random metal monoliths in the desert. No one knows where they came from or why. Yeah, but there. The people think it's a prank. Like somebody's moving them around, but it's like yeah, these yeah, yeah. huge metal structures that just show up in the middle of nowhere. And like, the Arizona desert and stuff like that. And people are like trying to find them. And I think it's somebody just messing with everybody. But anyway, well, according to Anna, she said, but after having a personal UFO sighting, I get more interested in what my neighbors report. The neighbor two two doors down just shared a ring camera video of high speed lights on his own front porch. Okay. Mm. Let's talk about the personal UFO sighting. Cause that feels like we buried the lead on that one. I don't care about the metal monoliths anymore. I want to know what a personal UFO sighting is. Um, Maybe we need to have Anna on next week. We might need, I might need to DM her and ask for some details. I'm trying to know what happened. Maybe I don't want to know what happened. I want to know exactly what happened. I would love to have a personal UFO sighting. I don't know if I would share it with anyone. No, you you absolutely have. So, so, so the funny story is, so last year I was working on uh, another uh, podcast that um, is, is, is no longer, uh, there's one more episode coming, but that's it. It's called Hiding Something. And we looked at kind of different internet conspiracies and things. What's that? It's a great show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's very, very fun to work on. Um, it's, it's coming to a conclusion later this week, but they, after that monolith was found, I was able to contact the pilot that actually first saw it and reported it to national park authorities. And this guy had spent, you know, 30 years in the air force, you know, was a commercial pilot, was a very credible guy. And he was just, yeah, I was flying over, saw something weird called the park service. And they showed what it was. We landed down there, we took a helicopter, checked it out. And I was like, have you ever seen anything else out there? And he was like, you know, I've never told me by this, but, uh, I've seen some lights following me and moving around my plane at night, Amazing. flying over that area that I can't explain. He's like, I don't like to talk about it, but I don't know what to tell you. But if you're asking me directly, the answer is yes. <laughs> I've seen things. He's like, one night I was flying out there and saw two lights coming directly at me. And I called the control tower of the airport that I was heading to kind of on the horizon. And I said, hey, what are these? What, what planes are kind of flying to my flight path? And they're like, we have nothing on our radar right now and have no record of anything out there. He's like, I don't Hey, you can't have it on the radar. I see it right in front of me. And anyway, these two lights zipped around him, disappeared, and it was right near where that monolith was. 
I know that's Derek's worst nightmare. I would love for that to happen to me. See, you know, it's not Derek's worst nightmare. It is rational people's worst nightmare. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Gen Zers are irrational people because y'all spits. I don't think you know this. I have a UFO tattoo. So, like, I am fully pro UFOs. I would love to see one. Emily. I, I absolutely come in peace with the aliens. I've never met a person that is that has talked. I've never seen a person speak about UFO experience in a great way. Like I just Why never met anybody been like, you know what, man? I'd like to do that again. I'd love for him to probe me again. It felt great. Like I didn't it's say like, I want to be probed. I just want to see it. Well, the, the thing that comes with seeing them is the probing part. You don't like, know so that. Like you never met an alien. <laughs> it's like it's that they're, they're one in the same. It's no, hey, did I, an alien I, tell you that? You don't no, know. But the you people don't know. that have said, like, I, if, <laughs> I, we need to have, we need to figure this out. <laughs> Emily need to come back. We need to have Anna on the show. And I, the question is, did they probe you or not? That is the question. Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, okay, hold, hold on. I got, I got to. I know we got to move on, but one quick alien hot take. I, I listened to a really great interviews on one of Vox's podcasts, and they were having this author who just has taken a very rational approach to the whole UAP thing. He's like, "Look, if if the military and all these agencies are saying it's not real, then we have to be open to the fact, or or it's not uh, their technology. They don't know what it is. We have to be open to the fact that it could be extraterrestrial." But he actually proposed something that says, "What what if it, it is terrestrial? What if?" What if this is their planet and and they've been here the whole time and they have under, you know, under ocean bases and things like that. And we're just sort of the 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 species living on the surface. How do we know they haven't been here longer than we have? So true. Like just hypothetically. 70 percent of the Earth's ocean have been undiscovered. Um, so that could be true. There's we don't know what's down there. Could be anything. It just blew my mind. It still right doesn't now. conflict with any sort of creation narrative. In fact, there's a lot of weird stuff in the Old Testament that it would adequately explain. Like God, when He first says, "With the first time we see Him, He's hovering over the surface of the water." Like that's literally the first time God makes an appearance. Like also, like, if you, you know, look at like a lot of ancient structures from the Egyptians to the Incas to the whatever, there's like fish creatures as part of the yeah. inscriptions and stuff. Like, like if you look at that. Like it's like all these different civilizations have the same sort of weird fish being. Uh, you know, like the flood covered the earth. We don't know if it went back down to what it was before. So there could have been things that, like, when the flood went back down, covered up certain parts of the world. Oh, interesting. There's so many things, like the lost city of Atlantis. Yeah, Ezekiel had an encounter with a UFO. That's documented. Like, wheels upon wheels, this weird thing that just appeared to him was zipping or flying over his head. Like, we know that, you know, in the time of Moses, there was giants that were not human Mm -hmm. that seemed very interested in human DNA. I mean, it sounds trippy, but that is documented weird Old Testament stuff. I'm just saying. The rock creatures. It's not... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Shut your face. We're not going to talk about that movie. <laughs> but, but I just say, but I just say, look, it's fun to think about, and I'm, and and especially in light of of all these, you know, disclosure videos. Now, a lot of it sounds preposterous, but it's not. What's wrong with talking about it? You know, nothing. There's a there's a documentary series on HBO about this like little uh, independent. TV station about an hour outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. And there's the characters in this town are crazy and like literally. And, and there's this one lady who 
comes on this like what was it like a cable what do they call it uh when um, the community can just like come do shows uh cable access, cable access. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah, cable, cable access, access show and uh she comes on and talks about her ufo experiences and stuff and uh these are real people and uh they yeah usually people who have encountered aliens uh, yeah. are not the most uh well grounded we could say this is all i'm us. gonna say <laughs> if the aliens if y'all listening to us right now and you like, man, let me get some advice from Derek. You probably don't need it because you was here before us. But anyway, um, please don't come back until I'm dead. Like, <laughs> if y'all going to invade or anything of that nature, don't come back till I'm dead. And some of the OGs and pastors, I just don't see how Bishop Jenkins is going to address this with the congregation. <laughs> like, because they trying to figure out rent money. They trying to figure out all these other things right now. We don't. We got a lot on our plate right now. So just if you could just whatever just y'all gonna do, just wait. Give us a little distance because Bishop Jenkins and and, and 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 Mama Sue would definitely for sure appreciate that. She that this is this would be just too much for all of us. You know? I I just thought of something too. If they're here and they've been waiting. To, to figure out because it's so, it's like that movie Arrival. There's we just don't know how to communicate with each other. You guys saw that one with Amy right. Adams, mm-hmm. where yeah, she's yeah. like the translator's got to figure it out. If that's the problem, if it's a language barrier, and we're just speaking different languages here, we need someone of our species that is very good at hyper elaborate uh, illustrations oh uh, that can break through, <laughs> and it's not. very clear what he's trying to communicate right now. You are not. And I just had an idea of You're who could not. be our translator. I don't think it's going to be like Amy Adams. <laughs> no. I think it's going to be someone who can communicate with like visual, big, like visual messages, visual ideas yeah, yeah. with elaborate. Illustrations, yeah. uh, maybe involving someone else. Maybe they're gross sometimes. Maybe it involves spitting in someone's face to tell the aliens, yeah. you know, about just how close we are as a species. So Mike Todd, Mike Todd is our tribute they, that we're going to send. He's to, our Amy Adams. Yeah. He's our arrival. Like right. when they come and they need to communicate. Hey, we're man. He's a Mike great up. communicator. You know, he's That's a very effective communicator. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to see a bunch of other weird natural phenomenon, uh, check out the relevant, our mentions over at Relevant Podcast Twitter account. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Jesse, I hate you, bro. That was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You know, I, you know, I got love. Mike, you know, I got love. You heard me at the beginning of the show. I'm just having fun at this point. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? You probably are thinking. We're going to ask an alien question. You know what? We're not. We're not asking an alien question. Earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, a very famous sermon illustration that took America by storm this week. And uh, it got us thinking, like Jesse said, like growing up in youth group and stuff like that, you know, icebreaker games, sermon illustrations. We all we've all seen our share of over the top uh, moments at church, you know, trying to the pastor trying to drive home a point. And so we want to know your most over the top sermon illustration moments that you've experienced at church, at youth group, at summer camp. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Real Podcast and wherever you see us post this question. I got one. In fact, I stopped going to the church after this. Ooh. We, uh, I had a, I had a, I had a pastor, but we're going for about two years to this church and the pastor to make a point about what would you do? Like, would you stand up for Christ if your life was on the line? Okay. Mm. At the, in the pulpit pulls out a gun 
<gasps> as a sermon illustration. And like, what if this gun was pointed at you? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm out. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Here, bro. Yep. Yeah. So that was mine. It's like, at that point, you're not illustrating. It's like, I understand you're how, conceivably what it would be like to have a gun pulled on me. I don't need <laughs> you to right actually now. pull one. Yeah. Like, you're not really illustrating anything. Yeah. You're just doing something that is terrifying. Yeah. So you can't really do that in in the churches I grew up in because soon as dude would have pulled up with the gun it would have been he'd have, he'd have been lumped so fast <laughs> that, Shoot wow. out. Yeah. it's like Reservoir our pastor knew that was a bad idea because there's a lot of strapped people in the audience you would have got somebody blowed out of the out of the planet so yep. yeah yep. that's that's terrible bro like that's oh my god! I'm sad just, you had to go through that. I man. just I just figured like yeah, it's a little unstable. You know what I mean? That's not yeah, that's, that's not the wisdom. You know. <laughs> anyway, that's rough. Um, yeah. So hit us up on Twitter at Rolling Podcast. Tell us the craziest sermon illustration you've ever seen. Well, before we wrap up, I want to thank Brooke Lagerwood for joining us today. Make sure to check out her uh, new single and uh, don't miss her new album Seven, which comes out next month. A uh, couple of updates, housekeeping. Make sure that you've seen all the amazing conversations in our winter digital issue. Uh, we have conversations with Andrew Garfield, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Shad, and so many more. It's stacked. You can see our winter issue right now at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab and there it is for free. Also, while you're online, head over to relevantstore.com to check out our latest merch, our annual print edition, uh, sweatshirts, podcast fan gear, a bunch of stuff. There's some good deals going on right now at relevantstore.com. Go check it out. Also, uh, while you're at our site, relevantmagazine.com, sign up for our daily newsletter to keep up with all the great latest stuff we're putting out every weekday morning we send you our top five trending stories cut out all the fluff just the cream of the crop you can sign up right there at relevantmagazine.com also make sure to follow relevant on all the socials to stay up on all the latest relevant news uh we're on twitter facebook instagram hey if you like all the music that we play on the show uh we have a spotify playlist just for you you can search for Heard on the Relevant Podcast over on Spotify. Also, that's a precursor to a few new playlists that we're about to launch. So go follow Relevant on Spotify. There you go. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. Downtown Emily Brown. Downtown, uh, we will Emily see Brown. you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Tyler will take you to places like an artisan pickle truck. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.